Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Want support. Curtis Fleming is there on the edge of the air. Fleming for What's Craig Hignett. Hit it, Higgy. Higgy hits the track. Oh! coming alive again. Janino wants the ball played to him. Welcome back to the Board Breakdown podcast with me, Johnny. Um, no, not with Dana and Elliot today. I'm with one of my best mates um, in the whole world. And say it nicely. Um, former professional football. He's still playing. Now he's at Crook next season. Uh, but Chris Dickinson, hello mate. Hello mate, how are you doing? This is weird, isn't it? Yeah, it's awkward, isn't it? I know, we had a, I know we've been off there, but there, off there, there, and we were saying we've never ever done this before. This no, is we've been trying to do this for about six weeks, haven't we, really? This is the most nervous I've ever been in my life. <laughs> Why? I don't know, it's just weird. I feel like I'm either going to prison or <laughs> I'm uh, being interviewed for a job that I don't want. I know, but. <laughs> It's not an inter- interrogation, though. Really, it's like the only reason why we're doing this because I want to get an insight. Well, I want I want people to understand the insight of like growing up, playing football, becoming a pro. Obviously, you've you've had your massive ups and downs. I think we've we've actually said that you're probably the most unluckiest player I think I've ever came across in my entire life. Um, but let's start and let's chat about like growing up playing footy. Um, I remember my first memory of me and you together was when we, I think Alan's football in Billingham in the forum and I just remember you skinning everyone at like such a young age I think you're like five or six and you're just ripping people to shreds putting people on the floor and I actually couldn't believe how good you were and then obviously you moved up to like Billingham I think I think you were the year you went up the year above me didn't you and then you went off to play academy so being at a young age going to academy level straight away what's it like from that perspective because there's a lot of limitations isn't there really when you know you can't really play with your mates anymore it's very strict you you move from Borough to Leeds back to Borough went to Darlington went to York like, so what, what was it like to play academy football all, through, all the way through I just I think my family were a big part of it my dad my granddad um, we both know my dad gave up a lot of his time a lot of his time a lot. he, he left work and used to take me all over the place especially when I was with Leeds um, it was three times a week uh, up and down at six seven year old I remember it being Monday Wednesday Friday and then sometimes 
the game on a Sunday. So I owe a lot of credit to my family as well. Um, my dad, my dad was a big influence. He kept me straight. But academy football was academy football was just a different a different level. Like you say about Billingham, when we played at Billingham, you go in there with kids who've already developed. Like I had, I was quite a tall kid for my age. I was quite already stronger than kids for my age. And then you go in there where parents have pushed and pushed to get the kids the best, and it was just a step up, really. It's a really weird atmosphere, isn't it, when you're playing those type of games as well. Completely different from, from like, well, professional football to over the crowd. Because when I used to like referee games and of course games when I've been like playing development games, that like, you can't even like say anything. Can't like, the parents can't say anything? It's silent. You've got to like clap goals. It might even look like clap goals, and you've just got to be strict. Is it? Is it a, a weird atmosphere for you, especially like playing that academy level? Is it like weird playing in? You don't when you when you play when you're playing football. You don't notice the crowd. You don't notice anything that's going on other than kicking a ball. Well, I personally never. Um, obviously, until you play pro and you walk into a stadium for the first time, that's that's a feeling that you'll never... You, the first time you ever do that, that's the first time you'll feel it. But, um, no, whenever I walked on the pitch, I was just mainly focused on the football, so it wasn't really the atmosphere that I was hooked on. Mm, so, like, changing clubs at a young age, I know I touched on it there, with, like... You started off at Borough early doors, and that was like that's natural because a lot of the kids in this area, you 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 start at Borough, you go to Newcastle, Sunderland, or Hartlepool, or Darlington, well originally. Borough came in, you start then you moved to Leeds. Um, why did you move to Leeds in, in the first place? I know I was very young, and it was like quite a bold statement because you're only like eight or nine year old when you moved over there. Rock, Rockcliffe wasn't as good as what it was now, and we turned up with four four um, arches, and I can just remember walking in and. Alan Smith and Mark Verduga were getting into the cars were in the Champions League at the time and obviously being a Borough lad and a Borough fan my dad always wanted me to play for Borough but it was myself and um, another lad had travelled down and when I walked in I just knew it was it was unbelievable like the cars outside the atmosphere um, the coaching because it was a Champions League level it was just head and shoulders above the rest for that time mm. well I believed so anyway Um I didn't realise how much time it'd take out travelling backwards and forwards and how many speeding tickets my dad would get on the way home. But it was um it was just a different level. I can always remember walking into the AstroTurf dome, uh, the dome at the back, you walked through and the swimming pool was on the right as you walked in, um, where there was water polo set up and the pitches were perfect. And then you'd walk into the dorm and the dorm was like the biggest football pitch I'd ever seen and it was perfect. There was people treating the grass. Now Rockcliffe's a lot better. Um, I think Rockcliffe's head and shoulders probably above four batches now. I think Rockcliffe mm. developed, but no, it was at that time just just to say that I played for a club in the Champions League, and Ellen Road, the atmosphere there was always unbelievable. Whenever we used to ball boy or watch the games, it was it was brilliant. Yeah, caught you caught it right at the end, didn't you? And then obviously the the, the demise really happened, yeah. and then you went back to Middlesbrough, um, you left Middlesbrough, and then more or less is where kind of your career really kicked on. Really, um, Darlington obviously at the time Darlington had a huge investment and they've made the new stadium which is now like a rugby stadium um, and you had quite a few coaches in that time who were also part of the Borough setup now obviously Neil Madison Lids um, but who was probably the most influential coach in that part of you obviously growing up coming up to being professional it's difficult to give you an answer to that because when you think of a most influential coach to me I, I, at that age 16 15, 16 I was prolific I was scoring goals all the time there you were. Um, Maddo was an arm on the shoulder Mando's man management was probably the best that I've ever had he was so down to earth um, we were 
who were walking walking with the car he'd be giving me advice and obviously listening to an ex-pro like Maddo it was always helpful some of the stories he's one of the funniest blokes you'll ever meet and he doesn't even mean to be um, going to the Dolphin Centre on a Tuesday when I used to leave school and he's diving head first off the diving board <laughs> but when you, when you, when you, when we moved up in the youth team which was where Lids was at Darling at that time before he became temporary head coach um, Lids put the shits up me to be honest Lids was a scary <laughs> man um, obviously he was always he liked to laugh and a joke but I can remember one story with Lids and I'll tell it to anyone I think I've told you it numerous times but we um, we had the ball we had all the balls and we used to have to collect them in after training whether it be for the first team or for the youth team and um, I got from Durham where we trained to um, Stockton and we got a phone call off Lids and he, uh, it was uh, one ball's fucking missing I said um, I said alright I said we'll get it tomorrow he said you fucking won't he said you'll come back now and we all turned back up to the training ground we had to find the ball once we found the ball he then took us on a six mile run and the six mile run he was the fittest bloke I've ever met in my life he beat us all back by about 20 minutes it was just honestly it was it was Lids 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 taught you how to be professional Hmm. Maddo taught you how how to love the game, how to play the game. So it was two different managing styles. So to go off coaches, probably them two at that time, even Lynch now, he, he probably is a fantastic coach. He's probably not allowed to swear as much as what he did at Darlow. <laughs> that, that makes sense, really. But even when like touching on like that youth part of when you were like, in playing youth like, football, and we, it was like when we kind of like kept up again, wasn't it really? Because we spent a few years, well, well, we didn't speak to each other, and then from year seven at Northfield all the way through to year 11, we became close again and it was more or less of like it was quite a privilege to play with you really like on, on, a, on a football pitch because like you were just so technically gifted and, and you just take you put people on the on their ass it you would score hatch. I remember like one game in particular we were in the semi-final no, it was quarter-final of the National Cup year 11 you only had to, you could only play half because you had, you had a game with Darling and you scored a hat-trick against and there was a player I think, I think he's still in Manchester City's books now he ripped in the shreds, scored a hat and left. Was it like, what was it like playing obviously like school football and then going on that like the stepping up? Was it was it just, was it just too easy for you playing at that level, or was it like how many what was it, how many explain it as much? But was it like easy playing at this level rather than like going up to academy level? Was is there a big step up? I, th- I think that I knew within school not to be beginning. I don't, I don't see myself as a as a quality footballer. I never really have. Um, I know that I can play football and I know that I've made a living out of it for five years but the difference is with school football I knew the school relied on me mm. I knew that I probably was the best player on the pitch for the school not to be big headed or anything like that I just I knew that, that the school needed me if they wanted to win a cup or they wanted to win everything and a lot of pressure was put on me there and when you go from that to academy football where everybody around you has got the same vision the same movement the same passing you don't tend to rely on each other as much so I could make a run in a school game that maybe somebody wouldn't yeah, see um, but if you make a run in an academy match you're not bound to get found that's why I always I scored more goals in academy football but because of the academy role it made school football a lot easier mm. you still you still actually have the I checked this up by the way you still have the Eston um, all time goals for one season of 91 goals at Eston and that was when you were in under nines football 
Yeah. It's absolutely nuts that you know. It's absolutely nuts. The only way, one of the reason why I said that was last and like a few weeks ago or something. That's why I checked it. Still have the board up. Yeah, you know, I've got uh, the I got the, um, the golden bull from the PFA for Darlington my first year. Um, I think I scored 25, 26 goals, and that was at academy level. So, goal scoring, that's that's probably what I was probably best at. Um, and I was never really blessed with pace. Oh, no, I mean, I, I'd rinse your pace. Yeah, no, I was I, so sort of like a cart horse being pulled back in the sand. But um, technically, I think my first touch was probably my biggest asset. And I could always see a pass. No, well, yeah, definitely. I think you know, even like in school, like even playing like Black Billingham together, it was like you were always at like, one step ahead. But we had a really good team in that school team. I know we won quite a lot of stuff, but like I was, that was probably the closest you. I was probably going to get to academy football. Now you've yeah played like development level at Darlington, but that was like about it. But I think we had actually a good team then. But obviously you were just like a step ahead. But obviously you left Darlington. Um, Darlington went bust, and you end up at York. Um, those years at York, it was where you kind of t- you've turned professional. I remember going to like a couple of games with you. People were tapping me on the shoulder saying, "Oh yeah, you know Chris Dickinson and stuff like that," which I thought was really bizarre because I just like, I just seen him as a mate. I didn't see him as like a footballer. Yeah. But you worked under Nigel Worthington. Nigel Worthington was obviously the oh, it was Northern Ireland coach, wasn't he at, yeah, at the time? Was, yeah. And vastly experienced. What was it like to work under Nigel Worthington? Because he, he seemed to be a bit of a character. Oh, he was brilliant. He was hilarious. He was angry, all in the same sentence. He didn't know how to take him. <laughs> um, he was really good for me. He was. Uh, he, he worked well with me. I was always. As you know, I always struggle with my weight, so he was um, uh, not not so much now because you're dedicated to the bike and gardening. Though. Yeah, I'm a gardener now, but uh, no, he, I struggled with my weight. I was up and down all the time, and um, he scared me into it. He scared me into losing weight, but he was brilliant with me. Mm. Uh, I can remember one story. There was me and Ryan Brobble sat in a calf, and I was up three pound that week. <laughs> And I got a phone call. I'd never had this phone call and I rang in my life. I didn't know who it was. And I picked up the phone. I was like, hello. He was like, hello, it's uh, Nigel Worthington, the gaffer. I was like, oh, hello, are you okay? He was like, yeah. He said, you're three pound up. I said, I thought we were mates. I said, we are, we are. He said, um, no. He said, we're not. He said, you're three pound up. I said, they're going to be off by um, Friday. And I was just tucking into a chip, chip and gravy sandwich. And I can just remember Brobs laughing his head off all the way home I knew I wasn't going to be down I thought about laxatives I thought about everything I still didn't get down I got down a pound and a half um, but no he was he was brilliant he was he was brilliant um, I've missed the team coaching all sorts so I can uh, I've seen his nasty side I've seen his good side but he was always brilliant with me and that time in York you signed the pro contract you're on the bench a few times you make your debut it goes to Plymouth um, Plymouth where it was Plymouth when they were you know they had a bit of money as well they just just came down from the championship um, what's that like making a debut by the way he it, told it, me the night before I'd be prepared I didn't okay. believe him because he told me 16 times before that I think because I was a joker and I liked to laugh he wanted to get my serious head on and we went 3-0 up and I, I looked at um, I looked at Nigel and he sort of like looked at me and he was like yeah I think it's time and I was like no there's no chance he said go get warmed up so I was getting warmed up and considering the stadium was packed and uh, he called me back and he said, you're going on. Albeit I only got, I think I got 11 minutes, 12 minutes. But that feeling, you'll never ever get a feeling like it in your life. I've never ever experienced like, the hairs on the back of your neck standing up. All I wanted to do was get that first touch. If I didn't get that first touch, I was panicking. I was panicking, but I got it quite quick. Um, 
there were some great players in that team. Um, that the strikers Wes Fletcher and different people like that they were on fire at the time. So I can't really, I can't really fault not getting a chance. Mm. But uh, it was brilliant. What's probably one of the best stories you've got at York? I like you because you've told me quite a few. Uh, probably the Akin Fenwell one. Um, just finished the match. Obviously, you've seen the size of the bloke. Mm. He must be about, I reckon, about 30 stone. And um, we were all giving him a bit of lip, saying that he was weak and different things like that. And there must have been five of us, five youth team lads having an arm wrestle at one time with just him. And he picked us all up and threw us on the floor. I've never I've never witnessed a bloke as strong and as quick as him. Um the stories I could go into, but it's not really about like football. But like, boy, we were getting chained. Boy was very vain for an ugly man. Um, he's still playing now. Boy, he's just been married. Actually, I can't mm. believe a girl's actually took. Him. <laughs> um, but he he always had like this fringe that sort of he stuck his hair up and the fringe came down his head to so like a point, and he used to shave it all the time. And he kept on missing bits and it looked ridiculous. So I said to him, "I'll cut your hair for you." And when he looked away, I'd shaved a bald patch straight through the top of his head. <laughs> and uh, he had to go to a pitch. He had to go to a pitch looking like Frank Ribery the next day. And it was it was absolutely fantastic. What's Obviously, that's there, like, the fun moments. What's like the hardest part about being a pro? Because obviously you said the diet, dieting was really tough, really. The, diet, oh, the dieting, yeah, the food, the, the running every day. I mean, people think it's easy, but you were coming in and doing 12, 12 13 mile runs. And it's, it's, it's hard. It's hard staying professional. Um... I was never in a case where I was earning millions and millions of pounds and losing my head. Um, but maybe it's like, even like the reporters and even for a small club like York, you couldn't move. 17, 18 year olds, you couldn't do anything in York without being seen or... So that was that was quite difficult. Mm. Obviously with... The question I was going to ask was... It's gone, completely gone now. But it's... Uh, in terms of obviously coming out of football now... You know, you, you obviously you, le- you left York. You went to one and Athletic, played there for a few months. I went to Boston. Went, went to Boston. Boston. Boston first, then I went to Wanham. Went obviously Boston first, where it was kind of like your big break. Really, obviously you played for about I think it was like nearly half the season. You, sc- you scored a few goals. You got you moved to Annan. Did you think why did you actually move to Scotland in the first place? Because I'm not. We drove together, obviously to obviously watch you train, or kick around and stuff like that. But what was in your mind when you went to Wanham? I don't know. Um... I just loved playing football. I'd have went really anywhere. I'd have drove anywhere. I'd have went anywhere. Um, it definitely wasn't money related. Um, it was just just some some somewhere new. I always liked a new challenge. I always liked exploring different places. Is it hard to fall out of love with the game? Because when from when growing up, you you love to be a footballer. You think it's like the dog's bollocks, and you've obviously you've played, you've played, and you've experienced it, but. I think I'm going to touch on like what David Bentley said before, where he said he completely fell out, fell out of love with the game, and he just said it just wasn't the same anymore. The same, you know, you didn't want to die anymore. It's very strict. It's not as fun as these people make out. Is that true, or is football really like a dream come true? Really, when you actually make it, football, fo- football's a dream if you if you make it big and your luck's in favour, and you've got a manager who loves you, and every week you're playing week in week out. But obviously, the bad part of it is, like you say, the diet, and if you're not playing. You run out of contract. You don't know where your next contract's coming from. It's like any job. If if you're not performing or you're not playing, they're just gonna find somebody else that will. Um, and you're constantly you're constantly fighting for places. Um, unless unless you're a big club like from the start. So say if you're at Leeds, you see people who fall out of Middlesbrough Academy and they play League Two, 
all the life. Mm. You follow the League Two club, where have you got to go? You haven't really got anywhere. You've got the conference, you've got national leagues, and then you you come you come down at this this level, even the level like the Northern League and things like that. There's still a great level, mm. um, but it's not the same. It's not the same atmospheres. I mean, you never get that feeling back of walking on the pitch your first time. Mm. And if you ever listen to Gazza and different things like that, you'd understand why sometimes maybe he is the way he's, he has gone the way he's gone because you can never get that feeling back. You're constantly looking for that same high. It's like mm. anything else. Um, I wouldn't say I've ever fell out of love with the game. I say that the game, the game hasn't been in my favour. Mm. Um, but you come to terms with that. I mean, it's just one of them things. All right. Okay. Well, obviously that's let's let's put your 11 together let's put like your before we speak about Middlesbrough and like Johnny Woodgate and obviously his new venture into management because you have met Woodgate on a few occasions but your your actual 11 who you've played with um, or you could you could be academy level if you want to put me in at left back or left midfield I'm, I'm more than happy because I know I'm probably one of the best left midfielders you've ever seen um, but what would be your your 11 it's going to be a bit difficult for this one because you have played with some unbel- some incredible talent the key, the key the keepers is too I, I don't know who I could put Jordan Pickford he came with Darlow when he was 17 um, and he was unbelievable even in training um, and then there was Nick Pope who signed for York on loan and he yeah. was unbelievable he was like a gentle giant as well the nicest bloke you'll ever meet left back I'd probably go Ben Davies well at Preston yeah yeah the captain who's at Preston now um, I told you I've been struggling with this all day. Uh, yeah. Uh, maybe it's on the banjo right back. Yeah, more on the banjo. We can just think of what you can. So we'll go wingers before you start making yeah, your spine. Wingers, right mid, right and Brobble. Put Brobble on the right. Yeah. All right. Okay. I'm surprised we didn't put Brobble in. To be honest. No, he was. Uh, no, I'm joking. He, he, he was. Uh, he was. He, he was just unbelievable. And he's one of the nicest blokes you'll ever meet. I mean, you've met him yourself. He's a great lad. Um, left mid, Josh Carson. Okay. Yeah, Josh. Josh Carson was brilliant when we when we used to watch. Well, obviously we used to be on the bench. We used to go and watch New York games. We used to go and watch New York games. It was like Josh Carson was possibly one of the best players on the pitch, and he had that knee injury, didn't he? So yeah, he did his knee. In. Uh, it was unfortunate, but he's still playing now. He's over in Ireland. I'd probably put Reedy in the middle, Adam Reed. Okay. Okay. Uh, he's playing Philippines. Philippines now, yeah, yeah. He was a great player, talented, very talented. Um, we'll go centre forwards if you want. Centre forwards, Wes Fletcher up top. That season I was with him at York, he was frightening. Right, okay, what's Fletch? And then I'd go Richard Creswell as well. Richard Creswell. Obviously his career speaks volumes of him. Yeah. He was a talent. He was even a thirty five year old when he came to York he was just to watch him in training was was unbelievable. Okay, you've got three spaces left. So you've got your two centre halves. So you... I'd go David McGurk centre back. Okay. Yeah. Just an all round pro. Um, centre mid and centre half mm-hmm. see there's people I've played with now but obviously at academy level that are doing really well that I'd probably put in there um, I played with Lewis Wing when he was at Darlington um, Lewis Wing wasn't as good as what he is now 
Lewis, mm. it's great to see how much he's developed and it's great to see that he's doing really well. Um, you can put something in there if you want. It's difficult, really, because there's actually quite a broad. You probably, so we'll probably finish this and you'll come back and you'll give me another 11. Yeah, I probably could. Um, I mean, Michael Ingham could definitely be a keeper as well. Centre mm. uh, half's Keith Law. Okay. Keith Law, that season at York, he was. Uh, I know he came in late, but what a signing he was. He just manned the defence. Um, other centre midfielders. I can chuck myself I'll in. I'll tell you what, I'm going to go Adam Reach. Okay, Adam Reach in centre midfielder. I'm gonna put Richie there. Yeah, he came from Borough and loan to Darlington, and he was, he was fantastic. So that that'd be that'd be my eleven. Okay, a very attacking eleven. A very yeah. attacking midfield. Yeah, I no. don't know how well they to stand up now. I mean, Pickford and Pope have both been in the World Cup. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, I'm well. I'm disappointed, Chris. I'm not in there. Um, if you were telling me to pick a school eleven, I'd probably put you in that one. Well, yeah, because we've. I'll be running to give you that bastard. You can go Billy Town as well. I'll, I'll take Billy Town. You know, I'll, I'll jump in there, be a left back or something. You know, but never mind there. Um, but okay, let's chat Borough. Um, don't go to as many games as you used to. Obviously, you used to watch them for free anyway when you were a ball boy. Um, but they just appointed Jonathan Woodgate, manager of the football club. There was poor season last year. I know when we went to a game together. We just couldn't believe how bad the standard was with uh, Tony Pulis in Tony, charge. Tony Pulis was, it was awful. Okay, but Johnny will get. Are you happy with Johnny will get being appointed Millsville manager? Because it's different being one of the boys and then moving up to a manager, isn't it? Really, I think I think it's exciting for the young kids. Hmm. I think that every lad that's been signed as a pro footballer at any club like that, you think well. I'm going to play under 23s, I'm going to do this, I'm going to do that, but he will definitely bring the kids on. And I think his background, backroom staff, if he, if it is true what I've been reading, I don't know if Robbie Keane is coming. Very easy, yeah. Keane's in, Danny Collins. How good is that? I mean, that, that, that bloke's like one of the best finishers of a football you'll ever meet. Mm. So you've got to think of it. Uh, people people are very negative about Woodgate, and I think it is new to him, but he's got a lot of experience around him. Um, he's brought back fan favourites like Leo and different people like that, so... I believe I believe it'll be a good appointment. Whether or not it's going to work from the off is a different story. But I think if Borough fans get behind him, he's a Borough lad, he's a local lad, and he's living the dream, isn't he, really? I mean, he's mm. played for Real Madrid. He's He's been in many a dressing room with some of the best coaches the world's ever had to offer. So I, I think I think it'll be exciting. I think it'll be attacking. Um, and I think I think the signings he'll be able to pull in, I think he'll be able to bring in some big names. Mm, big names. Where do you think they'll... I know it's too early to say... But where do you think we'll they'll end up towards the end of the season? Because I've said probably about mid table, it's a transitional period. A few players will probably leave the football club. I think it takes time really to implement a passing philosophy really. I know like we we always speak about playing like a certain way. But obviously going from Tony Pure's football to what Woodgate's promising, do you think it's gonna take time to actually implement that or is it do you think it'll take weeks? I, I don't think it'll take long at all because Tony Pulis played a style of football that didn't suit the players that Tony Pulis had to play with. I mean, going long ball to uh, Ashley Fletcher and British Ombolonga, it's not going to work. It's, I, I said that from day one because they're, they're not the type of players they need. They need they need the ball at the feet, and you've got you've got attacking players in there who will thrive with the ball at the feet. You think of more Bessage and people like that. I think I think that the the appointment of um, the Chelsea lad, what was his name? Everyone when he came to the Borough. Kenyon. 
The midfield. Oh, midfielder. Yeah, was it John Obi Mikel? Oh, John Mikel. Yeah, yeah. I wish that he was still there because yeah. if he's going to play football, it is promising. He'd have been absolutely frightening, mm. frightening. But I think I don't think he'll take long at all. I mean, you've still got the big brute centre halves, but I think Borough as a football club are built to play football. They're not built for Tony Pulis's style of football, and that's why it didn't work. Mm. So maybe someone coming in and implementing a passing philosophy, like whatever you want to call it. I think that they've got the team there already to do it. Mm. Okay, fair enough. It's one quick, quick question before we end it. Um, on that press conference, they said that they're going to play from the same from the under nines all the way up to the under twenty threes in the first team. Do you think that was a bit like what you've been doing for like the last few years? Because well, obviously, when you've played academy football, it's all been the same. You know, you you when you're at Leeds, the Leeds team played exactly the same as the first team. York was exactly the same. Do you think Mills were a little bit behind on the times on that? I think I think most football clubs you, you you can't just say this is how we're going to play and this is how it's going to work you've got to adapt to each game and I think that if that's not how it's been working even at under 9 level if you're getting absolutely battered but you've been told to play 4-3-3 because the first team play 4-3-3 but you're being out running midfield any manager would change it mm. I think what he's implementing I mean, there is I don't like principles but yeah 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 definitely I, I think that if you want to play for the manager under 23s under 18s yeah definitely play the same style of football because you could be drafted in at any point under mm. nines to under 14s that should be enjoyment years mm. I believe I believe that you should just go out and play football kids should enjoy playing football it shouldn't be structured mm. um, it's very Spanish isn't it I mean we went to Valencia with a school and you sit and watch kids there 7, 8, 9, 10 yeah. passing the football better than I ever could yeah it's incredible wasn't it it was just unbelievable to watch and it was unbelievable to experience so I think that it is a very Spanish philosophy and I think then maybe if he does implement it, to like you say the under twenty threes and the under eighteens, then I can I can't see it not working because if you think if you're ready to play for the first team and he deems you ready and you've already been playing that system, you're just mm. going to slot straight in. Yeah, that's what I mean. Obviously, but like the last few years, last few managers, it hasn't really adapted like like that, has it? No, it's been really really been cut off. So it's we don't have the pulling power no more. Unfortunately, mm. we don't have the pulling power of bringing in big names to Middlesbrough. Mm. Uh, the likes of Jimmy Floyd Hasselbank Alan Boxic they were all great players but we got them at the end of the career it's mm. always been the same I think that what we need to do is and what Woodgate will do is he'll implement youth and mm. I think there is talented kids coming through like Lewis Wing who was in Northern League football like anybody who comes to that youth academy they're all good footballers you don't get a professional contract if you are not a good footballer mm. there's, a, there's a few players coming through next year obviously Jed Spence um, Max Tavern he's probably going to make become more influential next year. You've got the likes of, oh, I'm trying to think of Conor O'Malley coming through. You've got obviously a, a good group, a good crop of players coming through. Obviously, Sam Stubbs played uh, for Notts County last season, Nathan Wood. But do you think, how many do you think will come through properly next year? Do you think like one or two will come through, or do you think you'll start implementing like quite five or six, or even bring Bill Halbrahimi in? I, I think I think he's got, I think he's already said, and he, I've listened to a couple of his press conferences, and he's going to bring in youth. And he's going to develop the kids. And if they are ready and they are good enough, then they will feature under him. I, believe, I genuinely believe him. And if I was a kid coming through, I'd be doing everything I could now to make sure I was in that first team. Yeah. And I think if you are good enough, you will play. Have you got last question? Have you got any regrets in football? Yeah, not uh, not being a millionaire. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, um, no. Uh, I've got I've got no regrets. 
Um, just unfortunately, it didn't work in my way. It didn't work in my favour, and that's life. Everybody deals with it differently. Um, maybe it just wasn't my time, but I still enjoy playing, and I still I still love playing. And my dad, my dad, my dad was a massive help, and he deserves a lot of credit. And I don't think I tell him enough how much he did do for me. And mm. I got that break, and I played professional football. I lived the dream. Mm. I lived the dream for five years. You still can really. Think about it, you're still scoring goals, you scored goals at Billingham Town, reckon. I'd have to lose two and a half stone, I reckon. <laughs> you could lose it on the bike, lose it in the garden, <laughs> Chris. <laughs> no, if it happens, it happens. If it doesn't, it doesn't. I'm, I'm just enjoying life. I'm getting married next year, I'm, I'm getting old, mate. Mate, you're 24. Have a word with yourself. <laughs> if I can still make a professional, you can. No, I'm joking. Uh, right, okay, thanks, mate. Thanks, no problem, Thanks at for all. coming on. It's a great um, podcast. Well, that's all, I'm good, Anna. Um, but. As always, guys, like, share, subscribe um, to the channel. Um, it'll all be in one link now rather than giving out separate links. Um, give us five-star rating on iTunes. Um, follow our page if you don't. Follow Chris if, he's, I think if, if you've got a public profile on Twitter. Um, but this is the Borough Breakdown podcast. We're going to be back on the mic, hopefully, on Saturday with a, football, a guest who used to play for Mills Football Club, but we'll release that next couple of hours or so. Um, but this Borough Breakdown, I'm trying to look with Chris Dickinson. Thank you very much for listening. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.